We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the morning grind here at rotorgrinders.com. Dean here. It's uh, not Stevie. Of course, this is Stevie's podcast. He's busy knocking out his NASCAR content. I'm busy. If you guys are actually watching the video feed, knocking out my earpiece. That's why it threw me off there for a second. But we've since recovered. Of course, if you guys listen to the audio, audio podcast, you have no idea. We're just like, hey, why is he stumbling and rumbling? Uh, Stevie, of course, is knocking out his NASCAR content here at rotorgrinders.com. Today, we're talking another, I was going to say fringe sport, but let's not insult the sport. Let's talk about MMA. Let's talk about UFC, and let's bring in our resident experts. It's uh, Artivore, Sun Tzu, Joe. Joe, uh, we're talking uh, some UFC. Let's do it. Love it. Um, so I should say, first and foremost, that um, I was listening to one of the channels on on Cirrus. I won't say which, but um, apparently the MMA handle um, is now surpassing the handle on PGA. Um, as it relates to, to straight betting. And there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, people obviously, you know, you've got 11 fights and they like the one-on-one and, you know, it's, you know, as opposed to kind of picking golfers or straight up matchups, but I'm hearing that the handle on MMA is, is risen really rapidly. And, and maybe that's a good thing for things, signs to come. And DFS golf still, you know, surpasses MMA. And I will say that as a tribute to the show, the morning grind of which I believe I'm making my fourth appearance on, um, I had a mocha master. And for those of you that don't know what a mocha master is, that is a high end coffee machine from Finland. Um, it's got to go through customs and everything to get to you. And what it's known for, it's very simplistic and Zen. It heats the water to the perfect temperature for coffee, like between 110 and 115. So I blew the dust off my mocha master, ordered some estate grown Jamaican Blue Mountain beans, which I'm going to grind. And when I listen to myself, um, either tomorrow or Friday, Whenever this is is coming out, um, I'm going to brew up some some Jamaican Blue Mountain. There you go. Uh, I'm currently drinking some vitamin water for, for some context. Okay, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Uh, does the trick? Sure, why not? But you've sold me on that. Uh, uh, that sounds like a big ordeal. That's a Finnish. Uh, what, what, what's a Finnish the coffee maker? It's called a Mocha Master. It's like tech Techniform, but it's uh, known as the Mocha Master. So if you searched Mocha Master on Amazon, you would come up with it. And again, it comes from Finland. Um, very zen, just heats that water to that perfect temperature for coffee. The unofficial sponsor for today's uh, for today's podcast, <laughs> the Mocha Master. There you go. <laughs> I don't have a promo code for you guys, but maybe you can find one on the interwebs. I have no idea. Uh, you mentioned PGA. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. There's been uh, I haven't fully uh, got all the news on that, but I know there's some COVID cases there, and I think they're going to be powering through and playing through. But uh, several people have withdrawn, and of course, you've seen every single time you're on, there's always uh, again. You're probably going to be listening to this on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday. News is in flux. News actually broke uh, before, right before we started recording, so we kind of paused for a second, uh, just basically saying we're throwing up the red flag and always be cautious of, uh, you know, who's in, who's out, uh, who's replacing who, and what do we have? We have several uh, changes as of uh, Wednesday uh, on this UFC card. Yeah, the latest change, which I think just dropped about 30 minutes ago, 
um, is Miranda Maverick, who is a new signee from Invicta, a 22-year-old prospect, someone who I scouted, someone who I love her ground game. I love females who wrestle. Um, I don't know why she pulled out but or why she was pulled, but she's out. Um, and they are looking for a short-notice replacement for her opponent, Barella, who was coming into the fight as a plus 250 underdog at 7.1K. So um, I'm not sure, like, what's going to happen. Um, Barella's coming off with three straight losses. So no matter who they put in against her, I can't imagine she's going to be – the line's going to flip that much. She's not going to be a huge favorite coming off of three straight losses. But, um, you know, there may be some value there at 7.1K if they do actually find a replacement. And then we had, um, you know, Sean Woodson um, has a new opponent in Juicy J, Julian Arosa. Um, uh, Kyle Nelson uh, fell out. Um, you know, that he is now, Sean Woodson, the highest priced favorite um, at minus 455, if you can believe it or not. Wow. Um, I, I mean, Juicy J, Arusa is not a horrible fighter, and I certainly would not be wagering minus 455 um, on Sean Woodson. He is freakishly tall for a, a featherweight at 145. He's six foot two, has a 79 inch reach. Arosa is actually fairly tall for a featherweight as well at six foot. Um, he has had a five inch reach advantage. Um, you know, Woodson, uh, I believe, was an underdog in his last fight and came through. Um, you know, he's definitely, you know, DraftKings, I can see him getting a lot of ownership. I, I don't know that. You know, he's quite the plug and play, um, you know, to get a finish. Um, but he's definitely going to get ownership. Yeah, I have all the uh, if they're going to go to distance, not going to go to distance props and things like that. But uh, since that just changed with uh, Woodson versus versus Arosa, Juicy J, as you put it, uh, I we do not have an odd, odds on that. But like you said, Woodson is currently it's not cheap. He's 8.8 K, but the biggest favorite on the board. Uh, you said he's four and change. I pulled up on Fanduel. He was 370. So maybe. I don't know. Maybe you said you didn't like that number. Maybe it's some value in three seventy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if better. You could, if you could get three seventy, he was minus four fifty five on DK last time I looked. Yeah, um, maybe that's an overreaction. Um, but yeah, that's I, I can't bet um, Sean Woodson at minus four fifty five. And the second cheapest fighter on the board, and this could be a huge trickle down effect depending upon her opponent. Assuming she has an opponent, we don't know if she's officially going to get one or not. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's just what we're dealing with right now. Uh, but, you know, 7.1K, if Barella all of a sudden becomes the favorite at 7.1K, that would be a massive uh, trickle-down effect when it comes to uh, building lineups, when it comes uh, to ownership. I would imagine it would all of a sudden make ownership expand amongst the pricier fighters because we live in a salary cap, and all of a sudden she would open up, uh, you know, the ability to roster a couple of those people. And I guess that's just sort of stay tuned. Uh, yeah, what else I mean, can we say? Exactly. I mean, you know, we'll probably hear something this evening. That's generally the MO of the UFC. I mean – Here's the issue, right? We were already down to 11 fights for this card. If we don't get a replacement for Barella, um, we go down to 10 fights, which makes it really tricky in terms of ownership. Um, and also eliminates a lot of the EV um, for cash games. I mean, I probably had my worst cash um, session of the year um, with a score of over 600. I'm losing 75% of my cash games um, when there you know, were only 10, 10 fights on the slate. So um, I reserve some contests. I may end up, if we only get 10 fights, withdrawing those and just focusing on GPPs and just kind of saving my powder up for the July 11th Fight Island card. You might just have a lot of pushes, right? Just sort of. Well, like yeah, a lot of pushes and any crazy scores. I mean, you know, to your point, if, if Barella somehow becomes a favorite, and again, there's no guarantee that she's going to actually be a favorite coming off of three losses. Yeah. Um, you know, they could put her up. I can't think off the top of my head someone who didn't take any damage, you know, who recently fought in that weight class, um, you know, maybe a Chukagian steps up. I don't know. I'm just throwing that name out there. Although there would be nothing in it for her. That's probably a bad example because there would be no reason for her to take this fight other than a paycheck. I mean, and, and there would be downside if she happened to lose. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but we really should hope that we do get a replacement. So at least we have 11 fights going into weigh-ins on Friday. All right, so main events, always a big conversation, a good place to start when, when looking at the card. Well, let, let, let me ask you this before we talk about the main event, actually. Give me your, your overview. What's your, uh, your perspective as far as the entire slate as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I'm not loving this slate. There's not a lot of underdogs that I really can make a hard case for. Um, I'd be probably reaching to find some underdogs that I liked. Uh, what the UFC is obviously doing here, and I think we mentioned it um, at the entree, 
Um, you know, this there's a hiatus after this card until July 11th, which would be the inaugural Fight Island card. So what it appears the UFC did is they kind of threw a bunch of fights on this card, you know, some recent signees, um, you know, and gave a really good main event. I mean, this is a top-notch main event. Dustin, Di- Dustin Diamond, Poirier, against Dan Hooker. Um, you Big know, Saved by the Bell fan. Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, gotta love Zach. Um, yeah, so I actually sat on a plane next to Mario Lopez once. Um, yeah, so in any case, um, yeah, let's get back to the fights. Um, yeah, Dustin Diamond, Dustin Diamond, Poirier against uh, Dan Hooker. Um, Hooker's already talking smack. Poirier is coming off of a loss to Habib, um, the GOAT, um, where Khabib just kind of wrestled, chain wrestled him to death um, and ended up finishing him late. Um, prior to that, he beat Max Holloway. Max stepped up and took a fight. At, he was the featherweight champ. What was Yeah, I think he was still the champion at the time. Stepped up to 155. And, you know, Dustin was just so much bigger than him and just beat him over five rounds. So I'm really looking forward to this fight. I mean, Hooker's good. Hooker fought Paul Felder recently. Very close fight. Could have gone either way. Paul Felder is tough. Who's actually improved as he got as he's gotten older. Um, so look, Hooker's talking smack. He's about a two to one underdog here. Um, you know, it's hard for me to look past Poirier, but on a card where there's not a lot of dogs that I like, I you know Poirier certainly has a chance to win. And dare I say it? Huh, I hate to say this in cash games. If we have 11 fights, this is probably not the worst fight to stack. Um, and again, I am not a prolific stacker, but um, I could definitely see some value in, in, in stacking this fight. Um, you know, it's five rounds, even though it's going to be predominantly standing. Um, there will be a lot of strikes thrown. Both these guys like to throw. Um, so I could see there being a pretty decent ceiling in terms of stacking. Yeah, uh, I'm just now stuck in my head. Dustin Diamond, who played Screech, of course, was famous for, amongst other things, uh, celebrity boxing. And I think it didn't go well for him. And like, that's sort of that's a comp to some degree. Hope, hopefully this Dustin Diamond fights uh, is better UFC wrestler than Dustin Diamond, the actor, is at celebrity boxing. By the way, Dean, since we're kind of going all over topics here, <laughs> celebrity boxing, I will tell you. Um, and there was a, there's a sports book called Intertops who was actually taking action on celebrity boxing. Sure. Now, what I don't know if a lot of people knew this, but celebrity boxing was not live; it was recorded. Oh, so I had a friend at Fox, <laughs> and it was leaked out like who the actual winners were. So, like, now again, they limited the amount of action that they took on each fight. Yeah, um, and there was also, if you remember, a Sopranos bet that was like who was the first person to die on the on the se- the season of the Sopranos, and it leaked out, and they ended up not, you know, not honoring the wagers. Um, but yeah, they 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 actually honored these wagers, um, and that was kind of a nice little like every gambler's dream <laughs> is knowing the outcome of the event before it actually happens. The uh, the most ridiculous celebrity boxing uh, event of all time was uh, William the Refrigerator Perry versus Manu Bull. Manu Bull. I don't know if, <laughs> if you had any insight on that one. I know Tom. Oh Hardy my god, that was like you had to, you, I think the ref actually had to warn the guys to fight if they wanted to get paid. Oh you know? man, it, it was. was you know, <laughs> it was a disaster. Uh, I, and I, I'm sad to say I, I'm fairly certain I didn't watch that. I do, I do recall actually watching that. But, I watched uh, them both because I had money on it. <laughs> well, why watch when you already know the outcome? That's true. Just to make, <laughs> make sure my friend wasn't, you know, oh, I didn't get bad info, you know. <laughs> um, back to the slate. Uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the, the Poirier versus a hooker. Um, and you say you don't love the slate overall. That This is one of the fights, and we'll talk about some other ones as well, too. Uh, at least I'm looking at it from a Vegas perspective. Of course, I don't know anything about UFC and MMA. If that's not obvious, if you guys haven't heard that in previous, I'm just sort of like somebody looking at odds and asking questions. But um, you talk about stacking in cash, and one thing in my brain, and maybe Tim will tell me I'm wrong, that looks kind of alarming that, that maybe not do that, uh, is it's minus 330 to not go the distance. So it feels like one of these guys has a really low floor. Is that a, a the right way to read that, or am I saying that wrong? But it's a five-round fight. Yeah. So you get those extra rounds. And if you look at like significant strikes that these guys throw um, and they're fairly active, um, you are going to get a fair number. And look, we can, we can do this on the fly. Um, You know, and that is, again, generally you, you, you're right. You want to see grappling points. You want to see maybe someone finishing. However, you know, in, if you got guys that are prolific strikers. Okay. And if you look at, um, okay. Dustin Poirier, in a five-round fight against Max Holloway, 
landed 178 significant strikes. All right. Um, one takedown scored 121 points um, in that. And so it was predominantly a standing affair. Now let, let's look, let's, we can look real quick at, at Dan Hooker. Okay. So Dan Hooker um, in a five round fight with Paul Felder landed 122 significant strikes, had one takedown in one advance and scored 99 points. So you're talking, let, let's assume there's no takedowns and no advances. Um, if Hooker loses and lands 122 significant strikes, you're talking 61 points from the loser. And if, yeah. if, if Poirier actually scores up to what he's done, you know, in the past, you're going to get a hundred point plus performance from Poirier. So you're talking right off the bat. And again, I will tell you that in Poirier's last three wins. Okay. Let's go last four wins. Um, starting with Pettis, 106, 127, 107, 124. So take the average of those four. And if he scores the average of those with 60-plus points from from Hooker, that's a home run for a cash stack. Yeah. Um, and so what is, you know, how ambitious do you have to be to fade this fight? Because, again, Vegas is telling us one of those guys is going to win within the distance, minus 330. Uh, you're telling me there's, they're active fighters as well, too. So, um, you know, you're making 150 lineups. How many do you make with zero fighters in this fight? Oof, with 11 fights, I will say it would be highly contrarian to, to not have the main event. I mean, one, you've got guys who traditionally score well, um, win or lose, um, in fights. And two, you know, we only have 11, maybe 10, if we don't get a replacement for Barella. If we don't get a replacement for Barella, I honestly don't know how you can fade the main mm-hmm. event. Um, if we, let's assume we, we get a replacement for Barella to fight, you know, maybe a handful of lineups just to be highly contrarian. I mean, the problem is I'm not sure where else you're going to really go um, if you fade this fight, because it does offer value based on how the winner has scored in the past and even how the loser has performed in five round fights. Uh, so Maverick was scratched. Maverick's second most expensive uh, fighter on the board. Allen, the most expensive fight on the board, a minus 305 favorite and minus 220 for that fight to not go the distance. And right below, now the two most expensive will be Perry. Perry's 9K, Perry's minus 315, and minus 350 to not go the distance against Gall. So they're telling us both those fighters are going to win, and both those fighters are going to win early, or at least yeah, it was mean, in the distance. Yeah, I mean, Mike Platinum Perry is an interesting fighter. I mean, he has left his long-term camp um, and was allowing his girlfriend – who he calls the goddess um, to hold pads for him. He brought in a blue belt and a white belt to help him train. Mickey Gall is, is a jujitsu fighter predominantly. He's improving and striking, but he really needs to get it to the ground, his opponent. Um, a blue belt and a white belt are not going to cut it against uh, Mickey Gall. And apparently he's not even going to have professional cornermen. Um, he's going to have his girlfriend, the goddess um, in the corner um, with him is what we hear. I mean, maybe he'll make, maybe someone will talk some sense into him. And he'll have an actual corner person. So there's some really strange narrative around and around Mike Perry. And, you know, he is a guy that, um, you know, will take a shot to give a shot. Um, again, he's, he's a tough fighter. Mickey Gall has a path to victory, and that's essentially getting the fight to the ground. The problem with Mickey Gall is he's a jujitsu fighter that's not a great offensive wrestler. He doesn't have like a power takedown. You know, he, he relies on guile and trips and, um, you know, using someone's leverage against them. Um, you know, so he might struggle to get it to the ground. Perry has got decent takedown defense. There is a path to victory for Gall. And again, on a card where there's not a lot of, um, you know, underdogs that I like, you should probably have some ownership of Gall. Also, we don't know what Perry's cardio is going to look like. I mean, you know, having left camp, having, you know, training with his girlfriend, holding pads, the goddess, um, you know, training with a blue belt and a white belt in jujitsu. Um, who knows what his cardio is going to look like. So if, if Gall can survive, um, you know, and Perry starts to get tired, you know, that could play into Gall's hands. It's interesting that Perry, that's kind of like a wrestling gimmick, almost like he insists on his girlfriend being his corner person and he's fighting Mickey Gall, who we talked about a pre-show famously, Mickey Gall, at least to me, how I know him, he's most famous for beating uh, CM Punk, uh, the wrestler right. at UFC. So uh, feed me CM Punk, feed me CM Punk is what he said to, uh, to Dana White, he got his wish, and it was like probably the easiest fight he ever had in his, you know, entire career. 
I assume uh, Dana White wanted Punk to win, so we probably gave him like the best punching bag possible. That so in my brain, I'm thinking Gall's probably not good or probably not a prospect. No, I mean he gave him a, he gave him, and uh, I don't know that he necessarily wanted Punk to win. I mean. Uh, Mickey Gall, I mean, he was a favorite going into that fight. And okay. CM Punk was really, you know, a wrestler who at, you know, late 30s decided to train, you know, MMA. Um, you know, and he, you know, they had insult to injury. He got paid more than anyone on that on the, the two cards that he fought on, um, I guess, because of the, the draw. He, he sold was. some buys, though, I bet. I'm for he, sure. He sold, yeah. yeah, he definitely, you know, he, well, or he put some seats in the audience. I mean, he definitely had. Um, a fan base, but look, CM Punk wasn't a real fighter. It was a gimmick. It was like the, you know, the BMF belt that, you know, Jorge Masvidal against Nate Diaz and the rock goes in and, you know, gives the belt to the winner of that fight. The belt actually meant nothing, but um, BMF is, you know, you could probably figure out what that stands for. Um, You know, that was kind of a gimmicky thing that uh, the UFC did that actually put some, you know, put some eyes on their, on their broadcast. What other fights are kind of jumping out for us? Uh, Woodson has said is a minus 370 favorite, at least in FanDuel. You have over 400 on DK as of right now, as far as this recording. Uh, Perry is a big favorite. Allen's a big favorite. Uh, Miranda Maverick is out, so we don't know what's going to happen with that Barella fight. Uh, stepping back down, let's see, we have uh, Luis Pena's minus 265 versus Karma Worthy, and that's a minus 160 as far as a not go the distance. So uh, that tells me that Pena looks pretty live, but of course Pena's expensive at 8.9K. Uh, amongst these, you know, expensive people, we got Allen, we have Perry, we have Pena. We'll talk about Woodson. Uh, is Pena somebody that might be lost in the shuffle, or do you think ownership's going to be like basically evenly dis- distributed? I think Pena, Pena is going to get some ownership. Violent Bob Ross, um, you know, <laughs> Worthy Worthy was essentially brought in to lose to a really hyped prospect, um, Smith, um, Devonte Smith, and he surprised everybody and, and ended up knocking him out. Um, you know, before that, he was he was sort of a journeyman, um, Worthy. Um, so this is. You know, look, he's fighting Luis Pena, who is is massive for his 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 the weight class. He's really big. He was um, uh, he he was in the season of the tough. He hurt himself. Um, he was promised that he would be brought back by Dana White. Um, flashy kind of guy. I mean, look, he he is not per- a perfect fighter by any means, and Worthy could certainly win this fight. Um, but you know, Violent Bob Ross, the nickname because he looks like the painter Bob Ross. Sure. Um, you know. He's good. He's favored here for a reason. He's likely going to win the fight. Um, I'm actually really interested in the in the Brendan Allen fight. I mean, he has been um, in his short career uh, in the UFC. He has been DraftKings gold. Um, you know, two fights in the UFC, uh, one ten uh, and one o five. Um, not because he's he's a striker. He's got a really good ground game. And what's interesting about his opponent is, and I really hate to see this fight because. His opponent is is a good prospect that's got really good ground games as well. Um, Dow Cross, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, has got really a really good ground game too. Um, Allen is probably the more accomplished striker of the two, but I have seen some people with some love for Kyle Dockhouse. Um, I like Allen a lot. I think Allen is 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 a vaunted prospect. Um, the guys he beat, he was an underdog to both of them, um, plus 135. Um, Kevin Holland, who's a hype prospect in his own right. Um, and Tom Breeze, who is a good fighter um, that just kind of happens to have some, some anxiety issues. I wish him well. But he was plus 135 going into each one of those fights and performed exceptionally well. Um, I'm curious to see if this fight remains standing, if they're, the, the, the ground game cancels each other out or – if Brendan Allen just realizes that his ground game is superior um, to Kyle's and he does take it down. Um, but I'm kind of interested in, in Allen here. I know that, um, you know, Kyle's getting some love and he's uh, what the cheapest fighter on the slate, um, which is why he's getting some love. I'll probably have a few shares of him, but I really like the future of this Brendan Allen kid. 27 years old, making his MMA debut on a quick Google search there. Uh, yep. Tell me about, we're talking about Kay Hansen. She's another one making her debut, but at least she's only 20. Uh, I love Kay Hansen. I really do. I mean, um, 20 years old, um, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu in um, Buena Park, California. Um, it's Interestingly enough, this is not my favorite 20-year-old fighter in the female ranks. Um, you know, she's coming off, a, she has a nice winning streak in Invicta. I like that she actually took an exhibition boxing match, you know, which means she's working on her hands. Um, She's got a solid ground game. 
Um, really like Kay Hansen. Um, I, again, in my opinion, uh, watch out. Remember the name Erin Blanchfield, and not only because she's from New Jersey. Um, she is one of Kay Hansen's losses. Kay Hansen um, has fought both at 115 and 125. Erin um, uh, Blanchard is a solid 125-er. And Kay Hansen, uh, you know, was able to go the decision, lose a majority decision to Aaron Blanchard, who's another 20-year-old um, in Invicta, who I think the USC should be signing. Now, Kay Hansen is fighting another Invicta uh, signee by the UFC, Jean Yun Frey. Now, Frey is the Adam Weight champ um, in Invicta. And for those of you that that don't recognize Adam Weight, it's because the UFC does not have an Adam Weight categorization. That's 105, boys and girls. She fought at 105. Um, she's 35 years old, so this is kind of a late signing for her. Um, you know, I think the UFC maybe wants to see what Hansen has. Um, I don't know that it's – I wouldn't go as far as saying they're, they're you know, they're feeding her um, a, a fight to win because, you know, Frey is tough. I mean, you know, she's an atomweight champion. She's, she's skilled in all facets. She's got some good training partners. Um, she is predominantly a decision fighter, as, as a lot of women, um, you know, in these weight classes are. Um, I do like Kay Hansen here. However, this line has crept up, I mean, to minus 175. And when the fight was announced, I was thinking it might be a pick or I might get um, some, some plus money on Hansen, in which case I was ready to pounce. Um, at minus 175 and 8.5K on DraftKings, it makes it a lot harder proposition for me. Um, and there may be a little bit of value in, in Frey, and I could certainly see some people um, playing Frey, though I would pick Hansen if I, you know, to pick a winner. Yeah, minus 175 on a 20-year-old. And uh, like you said, the, the price of 8.5K doesn't look terribly appealing, especially when I look at, the, you know, to go the distance, you're talking about how it's probably going to – she's a decision fighter. We're looking at uh, minus 280 to go the distance. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so there's two heavyweight fights, um, Dean. Uh, you've got Maurice Green, a.k.a. the Crochet Boss. Um, nice. He was in uh, Tough House, and I guess as a stress reducer, he would literally crochet. Um, you know, he is training now at Jackson Winks, which is a good camp. Um, he is coming off of, I believe, three straight losses, though. Um, this is going to be the easiest spot for him to get a win. Um, uh, Volante hasn't fought in a while. Um, you know, this is he's stepping up to heavyweight. He was fighting at light heavyweight. Did not have what I would call a quote unquote distinguished career at light heavyweight. He is stepping up. We'll see what that does for him if he actually has a speed advantage. Um, Maurice Green is, is a giant. He's six foot seven. Um, he's got a decent ground game, an okay ground game. Um, you know, to to actually you know put up a uh, a triangle with his legs. His legs are so long. Um, I do expect this fight will probably stay standing for a while, as long as it lasts. I do do think that there's some sneaky value in Green because you know you look at his record and you see that he's coming off of three straight losses. However, look at who he's fighting <laughs> in Valente. Um, you know, Valente uh, trains out of New York, which we all know has been hard hit by COVID. I don't know what kind of camp he had. I kind of like Maurice Green here. And then the other heavyweight fight, which is like a true pick em. Um, You know, you got Linz against uh, Boser. Um, Linz actually won a million dollars in the PFL heavyweight tournament. PFL is the Professional Fighting League. It's a, it's a spinoff, not a spinoff, but it, it's, it's evolved from the World Series of Fighting, which was a solid promotion, um, you know, kind of on, at the same level as, say, Bellator, although some, some people may argue that. Um, you know, so they have these tournaments every year where you have to win four fights and in your weight class. And if you win four fights, you win a million dollars. So he won a million dollars at heavyweight. Um, so he comes into the UFC and who did they give him in his, his initial fight? Andre Arlovsky, you know, the, the old, the old war horse, Andre Arlovsky. Arlovsky just schooled him. I mean, he was able to, you know, kind of move in and out and not take any damage. And Lynn had some moments in the fight, but it was a clear decision win for Andre Arlovsky. Is that you know, Dana White saying, uh, like, this UFC is better? <laughs> you know, you, you ran through these four guys, these, these four cupcakes. Could very well be. You know, that's not a bad hot take, Dane. Uh, Dean. Um, so, yeah, so this is interesting. Well, Bosser has fought much better competition, I think, um, in his losses. Now, I hate when you say a guy has fought better competition in his losses. He actually went the distance with Cyril Gagne, who I think is one of the top prospects um, at heavyweight. He's a French fighter. 
Um, I honestly think he's better than um, uh, Rosenstruck, who recently got a title fight against Nganu. I think Gagne is better than him. Um, and he actually was able to survive uh, three rounds. So this is really an interesting fight. I mean, on paper, um, at least from a, a perspective of, you know, he's not going up against a guy that's got the same level of experience as Andre Arlovsky, but he is going up against a guy that, you know, has fought better, um, has been in the UFC longer. Um, and, you know, this is an even money fight. So I think this is a fight that should be targeted. Um, I do think that this fight will not go the distance. And I have a little bit of love here um, for Bosser, just because, again, for, for all those reasons. I mean, you know, the fact that he's got, got a little bit more UFC experience. He's, um, you know, he went the distance with uh, Gagne, which impresses me. Um, and, you know, Linz did not look great. He, he's got some fast hands, which he displayed a bit, and maybe he had octagon jitters. Um, so I would definitely try to have some exposure to this fight in GPP. Unless you have a really strong take, I would stay away from this in cash. But in GPPs, I think this is a fight to target. Yeah, I mean, it's a true coin toss. They're both minus, one to, uh, minus 112, according to the DK Sportsbook. We scored in my notes like 20 minutes before the show. Uh, but you mentioned heavyweights. Uh, I saw people on Twitter were not pleased with the heavyweight uh, fight last week. They were just, I guess the dude just kept taking the guy down and taking the guy down, but it was just like a bore fest and, uh, is that just from a viewer perspective? Is that you know? Is that a good? Is that a snapshot or is that an outlier? Well, who who are the best fights to watch? Well, I mean, you know, look, I loved it personally because each 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 takedown is five DraftKings points. Yeah. So I've got Curtis Blades as the world does. So you're thinking five, 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 five. So <laughs> I enjoyed it. Now, if you're a casual or you just want to see a good fight, that's typically not the fight you want to see. And he could not finish. Volkov and he was so gassed I don't think I can't recall seeing a fighter that tired um in a win um I mean he could barely um you know stand up for the interview he was so tired um you know and he cut his lip he was bleeding a little bit um so I enjoyed it I mean he put up a really big number from a DraftKings perspective and if you did think it was going to go to the decision that was a pretty sweet payday um blades by decision I mean I think it might have been like five to one or something along those lines blades by decision so I was okay with it. I mean, generally, heavyweight fights, you are going to see finishes um, because, again, it could be a number of things. It could be cardio. It could be the fact that these guys really hit hard and all it takes is one shot, you know? So I, I honestly like the um, – I like the 145 to 170 fights where there's strikers who are really high velocity, you know, maybe mix in a takedown. Like, to me, you know, Gaethje Ferguson was one of the better fights that I've watched um, last week, Emmett, uh, Burgos is an instant classic. I mean, um, you know, Emmett hurts himself uh, and ends up getting an ACL tear and still has yeah. enough in the, in the first minute of the fight to actually not only, um, you know, go the distance, but also to knock, um, you know, to knock Burgos down twice in the third round. I mean, what a, what an awesome performance that was. I really enjoyed that. So those are typically the kind of fights that I like to see. And yeah, you say hurts himself. He tore his ACL. <laughs> he tore his ACL. I mean, you know, he tore his ACL. And look, I'm not going to yeah. cast dispersions on anybody, but we saw a fighter quit on the stool. And I know I'm going to take a lot of heat for it, but um, this is the polar opposite of quitting on the stool. You know, no one would have said a word against Josh Emmett, knowing that he had a torn ACL if he stopped. Um, but he went in against a, a guy who is a, a volume striker, um, and he not only won the fight but dropped him twice. So Josh Emmett is one of my, like, new favorite fighters. You know, it's too bad that now he's got this recovery time frame ahead of him, and he is 35. So, you know, not that there's an expiration date on him per se. You generally only see fighters, you know, past 35 um, in the heavier weight divisions. Generally, you know, that is kind of old for – you know, for his weight class. Um, but what a great fight that was. Knowing nothing else, this fight looks kind of interesting to me. Sato versus Ramiz. I'm not sure if the last name there, but uh, you know, from a DK perspective, Sato is 8.4K, perfectly reasonable price there in the mid-tier. Uh, Ramiz is 7.8, Sato minus 150 favorite, but also uh, according to the DK, this is the FanDuel Sportsbook actually, uh, it's minus 210 to not go the distance. And, you know, we need some salary savers, can't just load up on all those people in the 9K area. Uh, it feels like this, again, from knowing nothing else, that, that looks interesting to me. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with this fight. Um, since 2000, in the last two years, 
um, Bramage has a total of 55 seconds of fight time. <laughs> okay. So he's fought for 55 seconds in, since 2019 um, or in the last two years going back to 2018. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, he fights at a decent camp, so he should be getting some some good training partners. I mean, I'm not in love with with Sato either, um, but you know, he does have a bit more experience. Um, you know, this guy fights at Fortis, um, which is a good camp. Um, you know, they, they've had some issues recently, but it's a solid camp. So, um, having training partners is I'm, I'm pretty positive that he at least got some good training partners. Um, you know, Sato, on the other hand, Japanese fighter, 15 and three record, um, you know, fights at a camp out of Japan. Um, I don't know how long he's been in the U.S. I don't know if there's a jet lag issue. Um, he lost his last fight by rear naked choke to Bilal Muhammad. Um, you know, prior to that, he has wins over um, Ben Sanders and, and Matt Vale. Um, Saunders was kind of on his way out of the UFC at the time. So I don't know that you could put a ton of stock in that. Um, Valley was, was 10 and one at the time. So that was a pretty good win. Um, you know, I just don't know what to do here. I mean, do I assume this guy had a good camp, um, and, and just overlook the fact that he's only spent 55 seconds in a, in a UFC or in an MMA ring in the last two years, um, as opposed to, um, you know, Sato who's had, you know, who had two fights last year, at least, um, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. I think he's going to get some love because, again, people are looking for salary savings. Um, this fight has got a really good inside-the-distance prop. Um, I would just say have shares of both because at this point, I don't have a really strong opinion either way. Uh, you know, DK puts the nicknames on these guys, you know, on, on the on the page. Uh, Ramiz has no nickname, nothing. Unless yes. his nickname is none. Some of these guys actually do have no nicknames. Okay. You know, it's, it's a shame because – um, I, again, I, I love the nicknames. I think that's a big part of, of, you know, the UFC is, is having a nickname. I mean, there have definitely been some bad nicknames. I don't know if, uh, Ramiz has got a nick. No, no nickname for Ramiz either. Oh, so, um, you're not going to have a nickname for, for either one of these guys. Are they just padding out the card here? Is this like a bad fight? They just need to get to 10 or 11 or 12 uh, fights? Yeah, and... I mean, you know, and that's, that's the theory is that, you know, everything is kind of geared towards the fight Island card on, on July 11th with the three title fights and the DraftKings, you know, Millie maker on that card. And, you know, this is kind of the last card before that, before they all move to, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi. Uh, that is the thought here. I mean, we got a really good main event and we got some, at least I thought we had some interesting prospects, um, you know, signed from Invicta. Unfortunately, Miranda Maverick is not fighting. So, you know, as a fight fan, I was looking to some of those um, fights, but, you know, from a name value perspective, there's not going to be a lot of guys on this card or gals that casuals truly know. I mean, you know, there's not going to be a lot of that. So you're going to really have to do your research and you're going to have to listen to, you know, morning grind and you're going to have to follow Brett Athley and buy his content on Rota grinders, um, you know, and listen to all the pods that are out there and see if anybody has a hot take or if anybody is, you know, maybe has some information. And there are some guys that like troll people's, you know, Instagram accounts and social media, I wish I had the time to do that. And there's value that, in that, right? I assume there's value in that. Yeah, there's absolutely value in that. You know, um, you know, there's one guy, uh, his name is, he's, guy's got the highest energy I've ever seen from a podcaster. His name is Clint. Um, he does this uh, diehard MMA podcast. Um, and he, he does that. That's a big, that's a part of his game is actually trolling, <laughs> um, you know, uh, social media to see if he could pick anything up. And, you know, like, has this guy been training? Um, you know, is, is, was he sick? Um, you know, anything like that, you, you just kind of want to look for tidbits because that all goes to narrative. And, you know, I like to listen to these podcasts just to see if I could, you know, pick up something that I don't know. Now, the risk here is that this might talk you off of a situation that you actually like, which is what happened to me last week. I had love for Torres. I had love for Hubbard. I really didn't play either of them. Um, you know, I did not play a lot of Van Buren, thankfully. But like sometimes if you if you stare at something long enough, you know, you find something wrong with it when you should have kind of just gone with, you know, your initial inclination. So I caution you when you when you do listen to a lot of different podcasts. 
Yeah, last week did not go well for your boy. Uh, I fell into all those terrible uh, big big favorites, and I did chase the late slate because I wasn't I wasn't aware it was a thing until somebody yeah. on Twitter told me. Like, yeah, yeah and the late slate is different too, Dean, because you've got that captain slot, which is mm-hmm. like how FanDuel operates. So, you know, I haven't really put a lot of time and effort into thinking about it, but there are some ways to potentially hedge exposure that you have to the main slate. You know, using the cap- captain slot and using the late slate. You know, there, there's likely some ways I just haven't really thought it through yet. I do play both slates. Um, unfortunately, my focus is always on building for the main slate, so I don't devote as much time as I probably should um, in setting lineups, um, you know, for the late slate. But there is certainly value to be to be held there. It feels like it's a good slate to potentially embrace variance because uh, it seems like uh, ownership's going to be squeezed, and a lot of it's probably dependent upon what happens with uh, Maverick's opponent, Barella, and who she ends up fighting if she does end up fighting somebody. Yeah, let's really hope we we don't have 10 fights. I mean, I may end up having to, like, withdraw some of my cash entries because I did so poorly, um, you know, last time out. And, I mean, I was really helpful. I was really happy that, you know, the bets I gave out were were successful. Obviously, Josh Emmett. um, And I'm fully transparent. I mean, I post my bets up on, on Twitter. I don't track because I'm not a tout. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not looking to sell anything, but I did put that parlay up plus 188 Curtis blades, um, and, and Emmett, that was a nice play for me. Um, and it really kind of, kind of saved me from some of my losses on the DFS side. I was really struggling to find bets, And I was, again, I was hoping to get Kay Hansen at plus money, but that didn't happen. You got something this week. It's jumping out to you. I know it's Wednesday. It's early reserve to change your mind and all that. But uh, <laughs> yes, What are we looking um, at here? Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the, let's go to the book here. I was you can find looking, you on Twitter if you change your mind. I'm sure you tweet stuff out that, uh, you know, anything yeah. to discover. Yeah, I was, I was going to actually play Miranda Maverick in a parlay <laughs> with uh, Kay Hansen, but um, that didn't work out. Um, <clears throat> again, it's, it's kind of a high-risk, high-reward type of situation, but if you want to take a stab at Mickey Gall, um, I really don't see Mickey Gall winning by decision. I, could, I would expect that if Mickey Gall wins, he wins by sub. Now, I don't see that prop yet. I don't know if you have that, Dean. <clears throat> Mickey Gall by submission. I see that as his path to victory. I got Mickey Gall. Yeah, so by KO or TKO, he's plus 2,000. By points, plus 800. By submission, as you asked for, he's plus 500, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Yeah, and again, I, I honestly can't see another path to victory for Mickey Gall. I mean, he's a jiu-jitsu fighter. Um, if you get a tired Mike Perry and Mickey Gall can use his jujitsu to get him to the ground i could certainly see him winning by sub um and you're getting plus 500 on that um you know take a little stab at plus 500 um you know some some other bets that i was looking at i mean you know parlaying um you know dustin poirier with um brendan allen and uh the the crochet boss um and i think that is going to give you that was definitely plus money so brendan allen uh Poirier, and let's look at the crochet boss. Brendan Allen, all in. That's his nickname. All in Brendan Allen and the crochet boss. Okay, so that that will give you plus 178. So if you were to parlay um, all in Brendan Allen, Diamond Dustin Poirier, and the crochet boss, Maurice Green, um, do a three-fighter parlay, that's going to give you plus 178. So, again, it's not very sexy. These are all fairly big favorites. Um, I would take, I am going to take a stab at Gall by submission because I do think that that's his path to victory and I'll take the additional, you know, three to one odds over what I would get betting him straight. Cause I honestly don't see him winning a decision and I don't see him winning by knockout. Um, you know, he's, I think he's going to get beat up pretty badly. Um, if it goes to distance and Mike Perry's got that one punch knockout power. So, you know, inversely, I'm not sure what Perry by knockout is. I'm sure it's not very attractive. Um, but I would also look at Perry by by knockout to maybe get that minus three hundred five down if you want to go the other way. Um, Let's maybe, see. I maybe can, I can throw a little bit on on each. You know, Perry by knockout and and Gall by submission and see if there's an arb there. Uh, Perry by KO or TKO is minus one forty. Okay, that's not horrible considering he's what almost three to one. You know, to win regardless. Minus three fifteen um, just to win the fight. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you could certainly hedge um, that gall play by betting uh, Perry at minus one forty, or inversely, you could bet Perry to win by KO minus one forty and hedge that 
um, that's probably a better hedge. Um, hedge that with Gall at sub because, you know, you're getting five to one um, on Gall by sub. So if you like Perry, which a lot of people do, you bet him to win by knockout, which is I think is, is his path to victory at minus 140. And then, you know, you got a five to one hedge on, uh, on Mickey Gall. Now, obviously, if the fight goes to decision, um, you know, you're going to lose both bets. But I really do think that the path to victory for Gall is submission and the path to victory for Perry is knockout. Uh, jump back to DK. Uh, let's throw the main event out. What other fights you feel uh, you're really stressing on getting one of get one of the two fighters in, in most of your lineups? Okay, so I really think you need exposure to the heaven the heavyweight fight. That's essentially a coin toss. Um, you know, that's Linz like, versus Bossa. Yeah, that's Linz versus, versus Bossa. I do like that fight. Um, you know, uh, you know, Brendan Allen. Um, I, I think you need exposure. I like Brendan Allen a lot, but because um, Doc House has some wrestling um, and is on kind of a roll, um, even though I think Allen is the more accomplished striker, which isn't saying much because he's not a great striker, um, you know, I wouldn't mind having a few shares of, of Doc House. But looking at Brendan Allen, I mean, you know, you are likely going to get, you know, 10, 11, 12 X, um, you know, if he wins, unless, and here's the big caveat unless their wrestling cancels out and it's a real sloppy, you know, decision striking con, you know, fight and he, he ekes out a decision. So if, if you really think that's the way it's going to go, that each one of these, that their wrestling cancels out, neither one of these guys is going to score well in a decision um, simply because they're not high volume strikers and they're not overly proficient strikers. Right. Um, violent Bob Ross is, is probably not a bad play. <laughs> <clears throat> Woodson, you know, he's a decision fighter typically, but he's a huge favorite. He's going to get ownership. Um, I would not mind taking a flyer with the Rosa. He's not horrible. I mean, he had three losses, was was given his pink slip from the UFC, had a fight in a minor league promotion. Now he's back in the UFC. Um, I really do like, though, the crochet boss here. I'm, I'm, I've never been high on Volante as – um, a, a 205er, and now he's moving up to heavyweight, fighting a guy that's huge, training at a good camp in Jackson Wayne, coming off of three losses. Um, Green knows he's going to have to do well in this fight. Um, I can't imagine they're going to keep him around with four L's. So I really do see upside here for Green at 8.6K. Um, I think he's fairly safe as far as safe goes on this slate, um, you know, at 8.6. And then, you know, I'm, I'm curious from a fan's perspective to see how Kay Hansen does. Um, again, I, I really like her game. She's only 20 years old. She is fighting the Invicta champ. Um, price is a little too high for me. I was hoping that this would be closer to a pick and maybe like, a, you know, an 82, 8,000 type of, of fight on DraftKings at 8,500. I just don't know. I'll probably have a few shares of her. Um, and then, you know, you've got the, the native psycho. We haven't talked about this fight. Jordan Griffin versus Zalal. Zalal is getting some love here. Um, you know, Zalal is a, um, a Moroccan fighter who I believe trains at Factory X. Um, you know, he he looks pretty good on paper, um, comes from a good camp. Um, Griffin has got far more experience, also trains at a good camp, I believe, Rufus Sport. Um, he tends to give a lot of rounds away, Griffin, and then kind of makes a comeback. Um, so this could be an interesting, sneaky fight to target. I don't you know, again, in, on an 11 or a 12 fight card, I don't think this fight would, would typically get a lot of ownership. But, you know, on an 11, maybe 10 fight card, um, you know, you're going to have to have ownership, especially if you're max entering. So I would kind of look to play a little bit of each side of this fight because I think there's sneaky upside. Yeah, Vegas is telling us it's basically a coin toss. Griffin minus 106, Zalal minus 114, uh, minus 144 to go the distance as far as that prop. Uh, you mentioned Arosa doesn't have a price just yet on DK. I imagine his name will be uh, plugged into the player pool soon enough. Yep. Uh, and if I can gauge these well, uh, probably around 7K, 7.1, 7.2. Is that your guess somewhere in that area? Uh, let's see. Okay, so we've got we've got Woodson at, what, 8.8? Eight, eight. Um, I'm thinking probably 7.4 was my okay. guess. Close All enough, right. though. I'm thinking around 7.4. Yeah, and amongst that group, I know you talked about Gall potentially winning. Uh, were these in a fight that at least is expected to end early? 
uh, do you think Arosa is better than the, those options? Just kind of like grab shares of each, or is there any any sort of take think, right now? I think Arosa might be less likely to be finished <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Yeah, um, which generally means like he's got a higher floor. Um, you know, but you know, look, I, I think Worthy is certainly has a shot. Certainly has a shot to win. Um, you know, I, I, again, Gall has a path to victory, although I think he might be better um, to bet. Um, you know, versus, you know, DraftKings. Um, although I think he is going to get some love. Um, I've already heard some people who have some love for Gall. Um, I do think that he's going to have to be really careful to avoid the, you know, the platinum Mike Perry, um, you know, round one bum rush. Um, and if he could get through that, if he could get Perry tired and sap his cardio, and if his corner person, the goddess, is not giving him good <laughs> advice, then, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, Gall is going to have a professional corner. Um, he presumably had a real camp, um, for this, did not have his, uh, goddess holding pads for him, um, and trained with people other than uh, a blue belt and a white belt. Um, so the narrative I like on Mickey Gall, which is why I'm going to play some of them on DK, but also I'm going to probably take a, a bit of that, you know, plus 500 by submission. Anything else you want to reiterate? Anything else you want to bring home? Uh, feel free to do so. Of course, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter, uh, any sort of podcast you have el- uh, else that's going on out there. I know you work with Brett sometime as well, too. You kind of referenced them earlier. Uh, let the people know where, uh, you know, and it, of course, there will be updates. Uh, this, is, this is Wednesday. News will be changing. And yeah, where keep, are you going to give us the news? Yeah, keep your eye on the weigh-ins. Um, again, you know, you don't go all in on this, just because, on this slate just because there's a hiatus. Um, you know, there are going to be some highly attractive contests on the, um, you know, inaugural Fight Island card, three title fights, a Millie Maker, save some of your powder for that. Um, you know, I'm finding it really difficult to create a cash line up here. I, I see this as more of a GPP card. Um, things may change depending on whether Barella gets, uh, gets an opponent or not. Um, you can find me at Sun Tzu. Um, Brett and I do some stuff. We have this MMA fan radio thing going on. You can find that on Twitter um, under MMA fan radio. Um, You know, if you're really into MMA, we we do a lot of fun stuff. We have like, you know, occasionally we do like MMA Jeopardy. We do like Loudon Thinks, um, which, you know, we stole or borrowed. Um, You know, we also do, you know, look backs and previews. It's, it's really fun. And again, we're not like getting rich off of it. It's more of a let's drive, um, MMA, you know, let's drive betting, let's drive DFS, um, you know, so I, I do that. And again, I'm just happy to be on um, um, with you, Dean. Uh, the professionalism of Rota Grinders is top notch. It's gotten me back into grinding my own coffee again. So I'm really <laughs> happy about that. Um, and I'm going to definitely, um, you know, test out my Mocha Master um, with my Jamaican Blue Mountain when I listen to myself back. <laughs> happy to have you on. Much appreciated. Thank you for the kind words as well. That was Art of War, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu Joe, I was Dean. Good luck this week when you're playing your FC. Uh, UFC, MMA, good times with that. This was the Morning Grind. We're out of here. Peace. Holler.